Welcome to a special edition of BuddyCast. Where are all my Star Wars fans out there? Because I got a special treat for you. My personal buddy, Mike Quinn, who plays Nine Numb in Star Wars. How you doing today, buddy? Well, thank you, Nick. Good to see you again. It's been a while now, hasn't it? I know. I think it's been... I think it's been a year at least. It feels like it's been years and years. It's probably only been like four months or something, but it feels probably. like, yeah, or, yeah. Um, but it seems like so much and so little has happened all at the same time recently. <laughs> Especially with all this so, stuff going on, you know? Yeah, but it's good to see you again. And thank you good for uh, too, bringing me on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Everyone's a buddy here on BuddyCast. So let's start out with the main question. How did you get on Star Wars? Star Wars. Um, yeah. How did I get on Star Wars? It was it was odd because <clears throat> it was kind of an easy uh, transition for me. I mean, uh, um, for for Return of the Jedi, for those that don't know, uh, that was my first uh, Star Wars film, but it was my third movie. So mm. um, we had already done the Great Muppet Caper and the Dark Crystal back to back at Elstree Studios um, for Jim Henson. <clears throat> And, uh, of course, Jim and George Lucas were, were buddies anyway, of course. And Return of the Jedi was the third movie coming into Elstree Studios uh, at the time. So, uh, really, they just, you know, we, we were all trained as puppeteers for animatronics and creatures because of the Dark Crystal, which was a new, uh, new art form at that time. You know, that was kind of a first. So, it's not like they could have gone anywhere else to get people to do the stuff anyway, because... We were the only people doing it at that time. Jim Henson kind of invented that <clears throat> sort of live animatronic puppetry thing. So basically, they just took on board a, a handful of us puppeteers. Uh, so yeah, Dark Crystal finished, I think, late summer, maybe, of, of uh, 81. And then probably a few months later, I had an, uh, an interview with Robert Watts, the producer, in his office, just saying, hey, so... You know, we're thinking about we need some puppeteers and <clears throat> how's it going and all that sort of stuff. And it was just a little chat. And then uh, that was it. And like beginning of January in 82, I was uh, rehearsing with Tim Rose for uh, various characters um, on Return of the Jedi. So I never auditioned for any characters. And even when I started the film, I didn't really know what I was going to be doing on the film necessarily. So I just kind of rolled on from one character to the next and it all kind of evolved really uh so i they just kept extending my contract and then frank wanted me for yoda and and nine numb came along sort of halfway through the picture uh so it was an interesting <clears throat> time i mean i very rarely audition for anything to be honest i mean because people know what i can do um i do very few auditions so but that's how uh, star wars came about just i was already trained up and local and uh, I, was, I was cheap, and hey, it's a win-win for everyone, right? <laughs> so that's kind of how it, how it uh, came about, really. Absolutely. Now, you mentioned a lot of work with puppeteering. How'd you get, how'd you get started in being a puppeteer? Yeah, um, <clears throat> it's an odd thing, isn't it, to, uh, to decide to do. It's, it's very specific. There aren't that many people on the planet that say, I'm going to be a puppeteer and I'm going to make a career out of it and I will succeed and I, I won't have to get a proper job and all this sort of stuff. <clears throat> well, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'd always liked puppets anyway uh, as a kid and grew up uh, watching them on TV and the old black and white 
uh, movies and I had some toy puppets, marionettes and glove puppets as a kid. Had my own little uh, booth glove puppet show that I did in parks and talent auditions and things like that. So I was kind of into puppets anyway, but I was also into Disney and animation and cartoons and I would do a lot of drawing at that time as well as a child. <clears throat> but then in 1976, um, Muppet Show came along in, in, in the UK and, and, and it, it hit big right away in, in England. So um, I kind of like really got into it like right away and thought, wow, what is this? This is crazy. You know, this is nothing like we've seen in the UK. You know, what's going on here? How are they, how are they being worked and, and, and manipulated? What's happening here? You know, it was kind of revolutionary. And we didn't really have that much Muppets in the UK like you guys. We had less Sesame Street and other things like that. So we'd seen a few bits, but, but nothing like the Muppet Show. So, um, so I kind of set about trying to find out how these things, you know, were built and, and worked and I'd sort of start copying the movements and trying to emulate how they were working them and, and would buy uh, foam and fur and fabrics and fleece with my pocket money and try to make these puppets. So I kind of obsessed a little bit. I'd be, how old would I be? Sort of from probably really from 13 onwards, I would say 13, 14 and 15. Um, during sort of the Muppet Show years, late 70s, basically, to, heading towards into 1980, way before you were born, <laughs> right? So a couple of decades before you were born. Anyway, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so that's kind of how I got into it on, on that sort of level, you know, where it's like, I really want to do this. This, is, this, is, this could be a career. And, and I, you know, at that point, I didn't want to do anything else. So, um, and then... By sheer weird twist of fate, and this is, you know, often how, you know, one of these great cosmic things that, that uh, keep happening, uh, you know, from time to time. Um, it's weird. Uh, I found out Muppet Show was made like half an hour from where I lived, uh, which was odd because it was an American show and I'm, you know, in North London, you know. So, <clears throat> and then uh, my dad knew someone who was working there uh, he, he or his, his his business had an interaction with someone who was working there, and that's how I got my first visit to uh, the set of the Muppet Show in 1980. So I was 15 then, and uh, from that point on, I would sort of keep going back to visit. Uh, I'd just sort of bribe my way into the studio each time, literally with chocolates and cigarettes at 15, so I could get in. And it would always be on a guest star day, so I'd see all the big guest stars. Uh, on a Wednesday it was, I'd shoot like one show a week and I'd go, maybe it was something like every other week or something like that, whenever I dared to, to return. And so they got to know me, <clears throat> you know, I'd be a regular, uh, I was kind of like um, the original Walter, if you saw the Jason Segel uh, 2011 Muppet film, uh, mm -hmm. where they introduced Walter as the big Muppet fan, you know, obsessing, yeah. wanting to, and so I was kind of like the original real life version of him. And uh, yeah, Muppet fan, obsessive Muppet fan. So, so all the puppeteers and the puppet builders in the workshop got to know me and I'd bring puppets along that I'd built uh, to show them. <clears throat> and Jim Henson would put some of them on and work them and stuff. So, so uh, yeah, that's kind of, and that, that was sort of my next step really, my next phase of, of getting to become a part of, of, that, uh, of that company and what they did. So that was, uh, yeah, and then I left school and 
Muppet Show finished at the same time and they went across the street to the film studios, literally across the, it was like a high street <laughs> and the TV studio was on one side, film studio was on the other. And then they started making Great Muppet Caper and, and uh, that's when I said, okay, can I have a job please, Jim? And he said, oh, oh sure, you know. So uh, yeah, I, after a couple of weeks of, you know, I gave him a, um, uh, a job application. Uh, it was on his birthday and he thought it was, I think, a birthday card. So, uh, but two weeks later, I got a call from David Laser, the uh, exec producer, uh, saying, would I like to come along and, and uh, do stuff for about a week? Um, <clears throat> and next month, that will be 40 years ago. Nice. Congratulations. It's crazy, isn't it? August it was. I'm pretty sure it was August of, uh, if my memory is correct, which it probably isn't, but I'm, I'm remembering August of uh, 1980. Could have been September, but probably August. And that's when I started. Um, yeah, 40 years ago, and I'm still kind of doing it, you know, mm -hmm. uh, which I love, you know, it's, I'm sort of, <clears throat> it was my first love, you know, so, and I'm kind of hardwired that way to do that more than probably anything else work and career wise. So I'm very happy when I get to do that, you know, mm -hmm. and I miss it when I don't. Um, but you know, we're still doing when we're not in, in pandemics, we're still working Muppets and making shows. You know, we have the new stuff coming up on Disney Plus, uh, 20, 20, uh, the, the last day of July or whatever it is. So which we filmed last, um, late last year, um, which was a lot of fun, really fun. We, you know, packed a lot into the short shooting time that we had, but it's got human guests and stuff and, you know, different kind of a show, but very silly and fun. And there was a trailer I think came up the other week. If some of you saw it for, uh, Muppets Now, it's called. So it's like a two to a half minute trailer. But if you haven't seen it, take a look because it's really fun. And it kind of gives you an idea of some of the things we do in the show. So, uh, yeah. Definitely. Now, let me ask, what Muppets did you play, if you're allowed to say? Um, basically, the entire time. I mean, every, when we do other sort of side shows sometimes, uh, you know, diff different, not main shows, I'll often get to do more uh, characters more of my own characters and voices and stuff whereas in the mainstream muppet projects um i might do like incidental one-liners and and um assorted uh, chickens and pigs and penguins and animals and that kind of thing but what i've done the whole time ever since um 1980 through to now has always been uh uh, you know, assisting for the principal characters. So I'd assist Frank Oz with Fozzie Bear and Miss Piggy, and often Jim would have me assist in doing rods on Kermit and hands for Ralph and that kind of thing. But then the other thing that um, is really important that they do seem to to like to use me for is because I'm a good mimic. Um, I can I can mimic the kinds of moves that each character has. So I often will double for for the main principal characters. I mean, there's probably not, I can't really think of any Muppet that I've probably not really, you, you know, performed at some point or other, um, mm -hmm. to be honest. So each, each of the main sort of principal um, American Muppet performers have, you know, four, five, six, seven characters each. And that's always been the way, uh, even with the original performers. And so they can't work all those characters themselves at the same time, obviously. So then they bring in people like me to double up. So, like, for example, in The Great Muppet Caper, when Jim was in Kermit, he would put me in Ralph and in, for the wide scenes. And I would run the line in the wide scene. And then he, he may 
you know, come in and do it in the close up or they just overdub it later for the wide shot. So <laughs> I, I became good at mimicking all the characters, but also all the puppeteers styles, you know, everyone has their own kind of timing and, and uh, uh, yeah, the way they use just the kinetics of how the muscles and bones work together and stuff. They've all got their own style. So I've always tried to mimic that. Uh, um, so that's basically my job. I'm kind of like a utility Muppet, I suppose, <laughs> uh, which is fantastic because, you know, I get to, um, be on so many different projects, films and TV shows and music videos and commercials. And, and uh, it, you know, it, not everyone's good at assisting either. You know, some people don't make very good puppeteer or puppet assistants, but um, they, they like to pull me in for Gonzo and for Kermit and, and assisting, which is really nice. So, you know, I've got to do a lot of things and I, you know, I've really been very lucky, you know, to be able to keep coming back to Muppets after all this time and there'll be as soon as this is done we'll be doing some more as well you know so mm -hmm. which i'm really happy and excited about so i can't wait absolutely now let me ask you personally what was it like working with jim henson jim jim he uh, yeah um you know you i guess everyone kind of has an idea of, of what they think jim would be like right and how, you know how you kind of have a sense of of him being this kind of tall guy sort of soft-spoken, you know, father figure kind of thing. It was all of those things, really. I think Kermit was in some ways an exaggerated version of Jim, uh, you know, sort of trying to pull all these people together, all these crazies uh, to, 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 for this end goal, for this, you know, end thing. And um, uh, Jim had a way of sort of bringing out the best of everyone. Um, they were, every, everybody wanted to do their best for him. Uh, and that was sort of just a magical quality that he had, one of his special gifts. Um, so, but he was very, uh, <clears throat> very approachable as well. You know, even when he was directing big movies and stuff, or he was super busy, he was always approachable. And he always cared about all the people that were working uh, with him and around him and under him. And he appreciated uh, what people would you know could bring to the table he would let people he wouldn't try and control everyone and say you know he wasn't like a control freak puppet master or anything where everybody must do it exactly this one way it was almost the opposite of that where he'd be like this is the kind of thing we want to do uh have fun with it you know make it your own show me what you've got uh see if, it, if you can get it to work you know and he was very open to suggestions and creativity and and uh it was, it was a very calm uh uh, influence and also he just loved to have fun too when he I think he was his happiest when he wasn't you know in an office behind a desk doing business contracts and mess and horrible stuff like that I don't think he really that you know that he had to do some of that but I don't think he really enjoyed it mm -hmm. I think when he was on set he could be a kid and play with puppets and have fun and fall around and laugh and cry and sing and dance and and I think that's when I saw him at his happiest anyway. So, Absolutely. So, yeah, that's kind of what he was like. You know, what you'd think he would be like, he was, and, and then some, you know, and more, I think. So, Absolutely. yeah. He, so, he, you know, he's, he's, he's missed. If he were around, we would have seen so many more projects and films and TV shows and characters and ideas and worlds and te techniques. He was always looking ahead and trying to push 
uh, push the technology and what could be done, different materials, different worlds, you know. So he was he was always so far ahead, so many. You know, he was looking decades ahead sometimes. So, you know, that was the great loss, you know, that, that we lost what he was going to to bring for us all. So. Mm -hmm. Do you think he'd be happy with what's going on today with the Muppets? Actually, yeah, actually, I do. I do. I think he'd be very happy that, um, you know, I mean, be, Muppets weren't his only thing. And that's that's what people sometimes forget. You know, that was one part of thing that he enjoyed doing. And it, it was great at that particular time. But then that enabled him to do things like the Dark Crystal and, the, and Labyrinth and Storyteller and, and uh, you know, whatever else he was wanting to do. So he wasn't like so precious about Muppets that, you know, it must be sort of preserved in this you know, formaldehyde forever and never change. You know, he was all, he was all about evolution and bringing in new characters and new puppeteers and, and just, you know, letting things move on and forward. So, so with that in mind, in that context, yes, I think, I think he would actually be very happy that, that people still care about Muppets, that they're still enjoying them and wanting more. And that also he'd be very happy that we're all, uh, having a job you know he he wanted us to, to work and be employed and have good lives and uh i think he'd be happy on that level as well it's interesting isn't it not just the the um not just the the what the muppets are doing themselves for, for the for the general public but for from for us too he'd be happy for us that we're having a good time in his world that he created so most definitely yeah. what was it like working with like people like frank Oz? you know when the like yeah, it's Frank. Frank's great because um, he's very um, he's very technical, uh, you know. Um, so he'll do a lot more takes and and uh, when he needs to, you know. Uh, but he'll work things out very methodically, you know. And so he's mm -hmm. more like he approach he approaches characters to me because also he's he is a director, you know, a good character director, and his characters are great. So he always approaches his work as an actor, I think, and plots everything out, which was what helped us so much when we did uh, Yoda in uh, Return of the Jedi. We, you know, we rehearsed every little beat, every movement, every moment, every glance, every pause, um, for days until we, you know, we got it just feeling just right and we could all just plug in and do it, you know, over the few days it took to shoot it from all the different angles as well so we could match what we were doing. Whereas if he just made stuff up as we went along, it just wouldn't have been as considered and wouldn't have matched from angle to angle and all that kind of thing. So he'd always write backstories for his characters. So like Miss Piggy, Fuzzy Bear, and who are, you know, they, they all had a backstory that we didn't really hear about why they were the way they were, but also, you know, for the three-dimensional characters, what their weaknesses were, what their, um, you know, needs and wants were as well, what they, you know, what motivated them. So, so... So that was more sort of Frank's, I think, mind behind behind his directing and writing and uh, performing, you know. And then Jim, Jim was more broader. He was more about just creating the world and and you know how one kind of uh, faction interacts with the other um, to a point on the Dark Crystal and also Labyrinth, but especially Fraggle Rock. You know, we all we all become better when we work together. And I think that was a bit of. Of, that was sort of an overarching method uh, message from Jim, I think, in his projects. So, so Jim was, I think, maybe more of a bigger picture kind of guy, and he'd just mm -hmm. come in and, and have fun and play and make it work, you know. So in a way, they were they were sort of a bit like a real life Ernie and Bert, you know, where 
Ernie is playful and, and falling around and just kind of laughing and ha having jokes. And Bert's like, no, it must be this. We must do it this way. And it has to be very, you know, regimented. And, and uh, you know, they, that's why they complemented each other so well, mm -hmm. too, you know. So they were as close as everyone thought they were and everything like yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very much so. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, uh, Jim took Frank on when he, Frank was quite young um and shy and you know frank was too shy to do to do characters and voices so he'd assist jim you know and he nurtured frank and they had a lot of uh, respect and a lot of love uh, for each other um you know and that's why um jim had frank co-direct the dark crystal because uh, with him because he knew that uh, frank wanted to go on and do directing and so he knew that this would be a way to to help frank sort of he's into that and get a credit, a directing credit. So that was a gift that Jim gave to Frank. I don't think Jim needed Frank to co-direct with him, to be honest, but um, he did that for Frank so that Frank could have a directing career. You know, that's the kind of guy Jim was. And, uh, you know, I saw Frank again a few years ago at the uh, last time I saw him was at the Last Jedi um, crew uh, 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 premiere, you know, in LA. And, um, and we were talking about about uh, you know how how everything that that I had uh, learned in those first few years with Jim and Frank, you know I'm still using that knowledge and information now, and um, you know how appreciative I am of of what they both gave me back you know back then. Um, you know I mentioned about my puppetry academy that I have now, how it's sort of a legacy of what those guys taught us um, you know not only through the, the the jobs but also on workshops on the dark crystal puppetry workshops that Frank was also a part of and Frank just turned to me and just he said, "Oh, it's all Jim, it's all Jim you know he just deferred all credit to to Jim. He wouldn't accept that you know he was an important part of that as well, which he was, um, but he just said it's all Jim, so you know. Frank kind of was, you know, I guess he feels he owes everything to Jim. I think that was what he was sort of saying. So it's interesting, isn't it? But yeah, mm -hmm. they were, they were, I mean, they obviously were very, very different people, but, but uh, together they were very powerful Oof. and funny. <laughs> oh, yeah. Very funny. Very, very, yeah. Really good. So I think Frank did a lot of creative um, consulting as well from, from Muppets, you know. So Jim would sort of let him make a lot of those decisions uh, because it was often too much for Jim alone, I think, you know, when the company got bigger. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Absolutely. Now let's move on a little bit. Um, you said you've done some animation work before in the... Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, computer animation. I, in the 90s, we're actually, we, I had a puppet company in the UK uh, from about 89 to, to 90 to late 90s with uh, Dave Barkley, uh, who performed Jabba the Heart and other things. So so we had our own company there where we were making puppets for other companies and for ourselves. And we produced our own TV shows as well and did a lot of commercials. But there was one project that we started to develop. And it was early. It was like 90, 91, 92, I think. Um, and we it was the first time we had an animatronic uh, head um but we could record all the um servo motor movements on it um on a computer um and play them back you know with a trigger 
Uh, and that was the first time that had ever been done uh, in an animatronic uh, live creature. Henson didn't even have that at that time. Um, so that was sort of our first inroad into using computers and, you know, for, to help with our puppetry. And so you can kind of get the, the best take, you know, back in the, in the office or the studio before actually going on set, you know, so for lip sync and that kind of thing. It's kind of interesting. So, and then um, a, a bit after that, I, I'd gotten some early Macs and was fooling around with um, uh, ways of making like a puppet wink in post-production where it couldn't do before and using morphs and morphs was like a big new thing. So I was trying to morph different puppet faces together and, and paint out um, rods and using puppets full length so we could see them interact with other backgrounds and that. So I was kind of using computers in that way, uh, you know, uh, that early, early, early mid nineties, I was mid nineties. Um, and, uh, and then uh, Toy Story came along and I sort of saw that as in a way they were kind of like the new um, Henson in a way, you know, they were using new technology to tell new stories and, and new characters and new ways, which was exactly what Jim did. So I saw a parallel with Pixar and Henson and Muppets. So, um, uh, basically I, I, and I've been doing a little bit of, uh, animation stuff, uh, at home, you know, learning principles and just basics and stuff, but, mm -hmm. but so now the coordinates work and all that kind of thing. But, uh, I got myself recruited at, at a London, uh, computer festival where a digital domain and all the big companies, Disney, everyone was there every year they'd come, but Pixar came to recruit. And so I got myself recruited in 96 it was i think late 96 and then uh, finally went over there early 97 went to their pixar university where there was like about 12 of us in a class at pixar for a couple of months or something six six eight weeks i forget now and uh, graduated pixar university and then started on toy story 2 as a character animator so uh toy story 2 a bug's life and then uh, after, that was a few years, two and a half years, I think it was. Then I left there um, and went uh, briefly to a, uh, just for an interim period of time to, to animate some uh, Hershey's Kisses commercials mm. in San Francisco when they went to CG, in, you know, from instead of the stop motion. And, uh, and then uh, ILM, which, and the main reason I wanted to go there was to, because I knew that they were going to do the first CG Yoda. And because I mimicked Frank and knew how, why Yoda moved the way he did because of the way Frank held his hand and, and all that kind of thing, I knew that I could be of some use to them uh, for Yoda. So I went to ILM and uh, got a job there <laughs> animating. Um, but and again, ILM had their little sort of training room that they would put people in for a little while so you could learn their, their software and, and methods of pulling in match moves and backgrounds and all that, you know, all that stuff, basically. Everyone would go through there first. But um, I hadn't finished my training in ILM when someone had left uh, Jurassic Park 3 to go and work on a James Bond game or something, and they were a person short. So I got pulled out of training to, to animate dinosaurs on Jurassic Park 3 for six months. <laughs> and then after that, went on to Attack of the Clones, and they were already halfway through production at that point. Mm. Um, halfway through animation and, and post. So, uh, so I didn't get to do the, all the things I wanted to do on, uh, on Attack of the Clones, but mm -hmm. I, you know, I had fun doing dinosaurs. So, <laughs> so yeah, that was kind of my animation. And then a few years later, when would it be? Yeah. Late two thousands. 
um, I got into, um, uh, I was like lead animator for a couple of game companies uh, for a while um, because I thought, well, the game industry is a big industry and I haven't conquered that one yet. So why don't I just do that for a bit? So I, I worked in the game industry for another two to three years in Texas, uh, working on some MMOs and doing motion capture for, for uh, different uh, animation states and that kind of thing, you know, using some of the new tech that was coming out at that time. And I'm actually, a lot of stuff got, you know, at that time, it was when, right when we had the big crash, 2008, whenever that was, and Japan had its big tsunami. And so one of the games we were working on, uh, that company closed down because there were Japanese, it was for the Japanese and that, so they shut down. So that never got finished. And and uh, the, another one, the company uh, had to get rid of half of its staff. That's so how I got let go when that happened. Uh, you know, everything started shrinking down. Um, but I think the only thing I've actually did that got released was we downscaled the, uh, what was it? Rock Band 2 for the Wii. <laughs> so I actually have a credit on that. So I guess it was originally made for PlayStation or I don't know, some larger res uh, platform, I guess. But then they sort of downscaled it for the, for the Wii system. Uh, so Rock Band 2. So I'm actually accredited on that. Um, <laughs> so that was my uh, game uh, experience uh, anime. And I haven't really animated since, I don't think, as such. Um, I don't think. Yeah. Nice. Some, some experiments. You know, some of my own private projects I fooled around with some stuff. And I will be doing some more uh, later, but not, not necessarily 3D CG animation. Right. another kind it sounds like you've been all over the place from pixar <laughs> to star wars to jurassic park to even hershey and, kisses you know and back again and yeah you know but it, it always comes back to puppetry you know it comes back to the hand the soul working the puppet and uh you know performing live it's a living cartoon which is what i like real time you know instant gratification you can take it anywhere you know you can work it on location or in a studio right here i can do stuff it's great, you know, in my little studio, I can set up a screen and, and shoot stuff. So it's amazing. It's a great thing. I recommend, I think everybody should become a puppeteer, actually. Absolutely. <laughs> so let me ask you, what are you up to today? What are you up to today? Um, that's an interest. I'm, I'm actually um, look, working on some graphics today for, for a future project. So, um, yeah, <laughs> working on my Wacom tablet and my screens and... Uh, and uh, every day I do a little bit of learning too, though, you know, um, and that's sort of been my, my MO uh, uh, in the last few months. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I like to um, work with music a little bit too. So I've been learning uh, music production uh, and mixing and that kind of thing um, for, because I want to use that in my own productions uh, in the future as well, in my own songs and covers and that kind of thing. So... Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, a little bit of that, you know, I try to mix it up each day, but um, usually it's creative stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, looking ahead, looking to the future and, and um, lots of planning. You know, there's a lot yeah. of stuff that hasn't been done yet, you know. That's the thing. There's, there's so much we, we have yet to do and there's so little time. So uh, I keep busy. I haven't been bored this, you know, I've been locked in this place for nearly, what, four months now. It's going to be three and a half months, however long it's been since March, um, you know, not, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I'm pretty much still in lockdown. I go to the shops and the post office uh, once a week since I've been doing my, 
my um, autographs and things, but uh, that's it, you know. Yeah. So, but I haven't been bored because there's just so much to do. I have all these different projects that I bounce around. For. And because I have different things, I don't get bored with just the one thing. You know, I don't get stuck in a rut. So when I, when I need a break or I'm, I get excited about something else, I can jump onto another project or another, you know, another, another part of the brain, you know. Yeah. So, uh, you know, in a way, when, when I had to go back to work again and traveling the world and, and doing conventions and, and performing in shows and stuff, you know, I'll, I'll, I won't be able to do all this stuff anymore. So, mm -hmm. so there, there is an up for me, there's an upside anyway, uh, mm -hmm. to, to this, uh, but it would also be nice to get back to working <laughs> again and, and performing with my buddies and, you know, the, hopefully there'll be more star Wars stuff too, of course, you know, they had to shut down, Ooh. um, uh, because of all this. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, yeah, and more Muppets. And uh, we would have probably been doing uh, Kidding season three right now with Jim Carrey uh, uh, had had we not been in this uh, in this, these viral times. So it's, yeah, it's mm -hmm. a weird, it's been hard. It's not been easy. It's just yeah. like it hasn't, you know, how about yourself? You know, how have you, yep. how have you managed? I have managed. I'm working for a news station right now, so I still have a job. Thank you. Uh, and recently, yeah. that's why I created this, BuddyCast. Yeah, it's nice. Well done. That's yeah. exciting. Yeah. That's really great. A, a lot of people are going to have time on their hands, so let's reach out to them and see what's going on, you know? Yeah, see what's going on. Exactly. See how everyone's coping and, and how can we still how can we still move forward when we feel like we've just been, you know, sort of had the, exactly. we just met a, met a brick wall. But, but, you know, barriers can be broken just like, you know, we have to, we've had to break through barriers even before this happened, you and I both. Mm -hmm. um, and we will again you know this is just a different kind of a barrier but if you can just keep pushing forward you know even though sometimes it feels like you're just hitting that brick wall every time you know sometimes there's another way around it or over it or under it or through it or exactly. some other way you know different direction when you keep hitting it sometimes you're softening it you know that's yes that's true yes my head got softer every time i hit it into that wall <laughs> uh, so but that's the thing, you have to, you know, you just got to keep pushing forward, you know, and it's the, the people that give up are the ones that don't succeed, right? I mean, mm -hmm. that's the thing. So, so if you want to succeed, you kind of can't take no for an answer. And that's mm -hmm. how I got to work with Muppets. You know, I, no wasn't going to be an answer for me. I, it's like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a puppeteer. And not doing that, it wasn't an option. So a lot of it's just mindset, you know, um, mm -hmm. and just being very clear about what you want and figuring out how to get there. It's like, I want to get here. So how do I get from where I am now to where I want to be? And just, you know, what are the steps I have to do? Um, and sometimes it doesn't always work out and you have to pivot and figure new stuff out. But if you really want that, you can actually get there, you know, even in pandemic times. So it just sometimes just takes a bit of focus, some research, some thinking, mm -hmm. um, some uh, synchronicity, you know, <laughs> fortuitous, timings and uh, meetings uh, but mm -hmm. the universe sometimes provides that for us uh, if we ask for it sometimes when we're ready when it decides it's that we deserve it i guess so uh yeah i i think we still have a lot of control and power even though now sometimes you know people are struggling right now mm -hmm. tell me about it so do you you and me we met at a comic con years ago you know yeah, um, yeah, we yeah. did. So yeah, you yeah, it was great. Yeah, people, people thought you were you were that guy. They thought when I when yeah. I go off for a coffee or whatever, 
for lunch. Be like, oh, are you him? <laughs> you should yep. like, then, no, no, you just stepped away for a minute. I'm just watching the table, make sure no one steals anything. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> I should have told him, yes, I am, and just found a way to mimic your signature or something like that. Just, yeah, exactly. It's so brilliant. Had a quick, uh, 20 bucks in my pocket. Just... <laughs> but that was fun. That was a nice show. That was yeah, good. Most yeah. definitely. So from shows like that or from like your acting career, do you have any like feel good fan stories, like any fan interactions that have left that impact on you? Like I remember when we worked together, I remember one girl coming up and she had tears in her eyes. She's like, I never thought I would ever meet someone from Star Wars, you know? Or, oh, is that what? I thought she had tears in her eyes. Oh God, he's so ugly. I can't, I can't stand it. My, it burns my eyes. It burns my eyes. No. Um, okay, it was either one or the other. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, stuff like that is... But I do get it, though, because, you know, I'm a fan, too, and I like to connect up with, with people that I enjoy their work with, uh, that I've done, and, you know, so... so I, and I collect autographs as well, you know, so it's, it's great because I understand it. Um, and uh, for me, I think the thing that... The stories that I like to, to hear the most are when... Yeah, like say for example, a father. More often than not, it's guys rather than women. I'm not quite sure why that is, but anyway, uh, you know they come to the table. But but you know, a father will come come to my table and say, you know, I was you know nine or eleven or whatever when I first saw Star Wars in the theater, and now here's my son, and he's the same age I was when I first saw it, and he's into it too, and we're going to see the you know the opening night of you know. Force Awakens or whatever, you know, uh, whatever the newest film is that's coming out. And it's such a great thing because it's sort of, you know, it's, it's universal and it transcends the, the, the age groups. And it's, it's, it's a, just a great piece of family, uh, sort of almost timeless entertainment. So, and, you know, who knew, you know, back then that that might even be the case. I don't think, I don't think even George could have imagined this far ahead, really, that it would still be a thing that people cared about and would still be fresh and, you know, um, that families can enjoy and share, you know, share, share together, you know. So, because there's not much out there right now that, that can be shared with, with parents and children that they can both equally enjoy. There's not a whole lot, is there? Uh, you know, for, and for, even for, you know, dare I say, wives and sisters and mothers too, you know, uh, it is, it is sort of universal. Um, so it's pretty, pretty amazing, I think. And, uh, you know, and for me to still be working in that franchise, uh, again, is amazing. And I hope to do more. Um, <clears throat> but it, it does enable me to, to do things that I could not have done otherwise and to go to places I wouldn't have gone to. And to meet people like yourself that otherwise I would never have met, you know. And, you know, we're still buddies and we'll always be buddies. Oh, and, absolutely. And, uh, so, uh, you know, what a, what a, it's just one of those good things that happens in, in the world. And we need more of those, you know. We need more mm -hmm. of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let me ask you, you touched on it a little bit with like the Muppets and everything. Do you have any upcoming work that, you know, maybe after COVID or like any projects mm. that are coming up that you're allowed to reveal at this time? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, obviously, like I said, we got the, the, the uh, Muppets now coming on uh, Disney plus end of this month. But, but uh, yeah, I'm, um, uh, one thing that we're, we're 
going to, I think, release is a day. You know, when I said Dave Barkley and I had a, a company in the UK, um, during that time, we made a TV series in, the, in England uh, that wasn't really seen by very many people. It was a low budget uh, puppet show that just had five characters. And um, uh, Dave just finished uh, archiving and digitizing uh, and upscaling that stuff from the old uh, formats from the 90s. And so we're going to um, sort of re-release that and uh, to puppet fans and and uh, just let people enjoy. And we'll enjoy seeing it again too. It was you know a long time ago now, so I guess what twenty five years or something. I don't know. So um, uh, yeah, I think so. So uh, yeah, that's one thing that we're going to be working on is re-releasing that stuff. Um, I mean, I'm in development of a lot of stuff of my own too, though. So mm -hmm. uh, I've still got my. Uh, Stan Laurel documentary that, uh, in fact, those tapes are being uh, digitized at the moment from when I shot some some stuff. So they're in Los Angeles right now, uh, uh, getting put onto hard drives so I can start putting that together. So that's another thing, something I started a long time ago, but didn't really have the money to finish, you know. So, so uh, that's good. Yeah, lots of things like that. But then you know, all the all the filming is going to kick in again, and I'm not going to have time for anything. You know, there'll be hopefully Star Wars, Muppets, and goodness knows what else, and uh, and then all the shows, of course. You know, I think I think we're going to see a, a boom once this is well and truly over. I sort I feel like yeah, everything's going to explode again, and everyone's going to be ready to do stuff and go places and have a bit of fun and you know get the money moving again. And I think there'll be a boom time for the entertainment industry, and I'm sure I'll be nonstop. You know, doing doing conventions and shows and filming uh, for probably for a few years. They'll be ready for another another break, I think. But uh, it's coming, so I'm trying to rest now. Not go too crazy because I know that it's gonna there's gonna be a lot of stuff. You know, mm -hmm. maybe a year from now or who knows. You know, I'm not quite sure, but yeah, most definitely. Now I'm gonna end with this question for you. I ask this to all my buddies who come on the show. Okay, what's your advice for someone who's looking to go into items like puppeteering, acting, mm. animation, what's your ultimate advice for people who are looking to go into the same work that you're going into? Yeah. Um, well, if they specifically want to go into puppetry, then they should join my, my Secrets of Puppetry uh, Academy, which is online, and they can find that through me. Because I've got a special discount going on right now as well. So, um, But that is, that is a, a, a bunch of, of tiny little yeah. steps. Uh, of things that I wish that I'd had when I was starting out that didn't have. And it's stuff that Jim and Frank taught me and I'm now, you know, putting it online. So I would say if someone wants to actually be a puppeteer for film and TV, that's like as good a place as any. You can go at your own pace, learn online, you know, it's great. So so for puppetry, that's a good place to start. But in broad terms, whether it's puppetry or, or singing or, uh, you know, anything creative, let's say, I can at least speak for that. Uh, performing arts in some way, directing, producing, writing, uh, photography, you know, whatever. Um, be clear about about your focus. Um, you know, you, you, you do want to be really, you want to want it really, really badly. You know, you want to do it a lot, I think, to succeed because it, it is going to be hard. So, so make sure that it's something you really want. Be careful what you wish for because... You know, if you're going to put all that energy into it, you might as well be sure that it's what you really want to do because everything is you do is hard. Um, and to, to do it well, you have to dedicate uh, a lot of time, uh, focus and passion. 
Um, so, um, but however, uh, something I would say would help is to put yourself in front of people that are doing it in the nicest possible way. Be, be a squeaky wheel like I was. It worked. It still works. I still do it to this day. I'm, I still make my opportunities. I don't get everything handed to me on a plate because I did this thing once or something. It doesn't work like that. I'm always putting myself in front of people and, or, or saying, hey, you know, I can do this. And are you interested? You know, and, and, or, or if I don't know them, I'll find someone who does know them and ask for favors. And, you know, so, so don't be, you know, don't necessarily work in isolation uh so if you want to be let's for, for example say a stand-up comic <laughs> then maybe you should you know be be around places that do that and mm -hmm. uh absorb the, that in, yourself into that world and, and know people who do that for a living uh and people that book those shows and just you know become part of that world because eventually you're just going to become one of them right if you mm -hmm. spend enough time with them and it's the same with acting, but but don't 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 be don't go solo because I think that's the hardest thing of all. So and right now, at least online, we can we've become really good at connecting up online, even if not in person. So I think people should try and do that. You know, I'm happy when people contact me and message me and say, you know, how do I do this or how can I? You know, people don't ask enough questions. I wish people asked me more questions, like how did you? How can I become a puppeteer or how can I? How can I learn to do that? Or how can I make this kind of puppet? Or, you know, I wish people asked me more stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, surround yourself with people that, that do that as much as possible or people that know people who do that and just keep pushing. You know, every decision that you make should, should get you a little bit closer to, to what you want to do. Keep learning, you know, learn your craft. Like just, it's no different to playing a musical instrument. You know, you have to just keep keep leveling up keep working at it and a lot of it a lot of it becomes muscle memory um basically uh and technique um so with acting uh anything else you know it's a lot of it's just technique and muscle memory uh so that then you can just enjoy doing what you do and not think about the technicalities and you want to get to that point and the only way to get that to that point is by hard work um you've got to be motivated if you're not motivated you're not going to do the work and you you know there's going to be 10 people ahead of you much better than you. So, you know, and you want to be, you know, one of those top people. Uh, you just got to keep practicing your craft. Another thing I would say, probably the final thing, is um, do more than one thing. You know, don't just do one thing because when that thing isn't happening, <laughs> you know, how else are you going to uh, earn money? Or, or and Also, it's good for the brain to, to do, like I, I just mentioned earlier, I do multiple things because it's, it's good for me. And if something goes quiet in one area, I can still focus on something else and still, you know, have some sort of career or income or whatever. So, so you know, learn like yourself, you know, you do, you've done many things and you're doing multiple things now. And, you know, mm -hmm. so, so I, I would say, yeah, multiple strings to one's bow is, is also a good thing just to be aware of. Um, uh, so, but, but like I said earlier, don't give up because the people that give up are the ones that fail. So most definitely, most definitely. So keep moving forward is what your ultimate advice is. Even if it feels like you're not, you actually are nothing ever is static. Sometimes it feels like we're just getting nowhere and it's just not going to happen. And nobody likes us and, and uh, it's just, it's dead, it's gone, you know, and that isn't nature, that's not reality. Things are always shifting. 
you know, things are always moving. Glass is always slowly melting, you know, over a period of time. You just can't see it. So nothing is ever static. And energy, if you put energy into something, it has to go somewhere, doesn't it? Most definitely. Most definitely. I just thank you so much for joining us on Buddy Cash. Thanks for being a buddy. Oh, you know, thank you. I really appreciate it. Thanks for uh, yeah, your patience in getting us to sync up across the ocean uh, oh, to yeah. make this happen. <laughs> oh yeah, I know you and me have had twenty at at least like five different reschedules. You know. Yeah, but hey, we got there. and that's the thing because you didn't give up. You made it happen. So you exactly. could have just said, "Ah, screw it," you know, I can't be bothered, and then it wouldn't have <laughs> happened. But you see, you're a perfect example of what I just said, and here we are. So there we go. Um, but Thank I'll see you. you again soon, I'm sure. You know, back there, when I'm back East Coast. Uh, yeah. yeah. Wherever you're in the area, let me know. You For know? sure, definitely. I'll see you again. And yeah. we'll, we'll continue to talk online in the meantime. But thank you so much. Absolutely. I really appreciate it. And uh, continued success with your show. Thank you. And uh, I'll see you again soon. Thanks so much. Most definitely. Thank you for being on there. Thank you to all my buddies out there. And remember, go out there and be a buddy to someone. So we'll see you next time.